Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Final move. Realest guys in the room. How you doing? Do I have everybody's attention now? This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This week is a very special week as it is episode number 16, and it is awards week. Yes, I will be announcing all of my awards for the year of 2022 night, or as you listen to this, and I'm very excited. Um, We're going to go through... Wrestler of the Year, Faction of the Year, Tag Team of the Year, Promotion of the Year, and most importantly, Match of the Year. And for Match of the Year, I will give you a top five. That will close out the show, but before that, we have to do our usual. We will discuss Raw, SmackDown, NXT, TLC, and the Osaka, um, Osaka Dream Cinderella show. That saw Utami Hayashishita defend against Momo Watanabe. So sit back, relax, and as always, enjoy the show. So, we'll kick off with the Osaka Dream Cinderella. And it it came out on Stardom World Wednesday for us fans around the world to see if you lived in Japan or had someone that could stream it to you, congratulations. Unfortunately, that was not the case for myself, but I can't complain because I end up getting to watch it anyways. So, let's talk about it. First off, I didn't get to review this last week, so we will talk about the pre-tag match that went down just um, days before between... Tommy and Julia teaming to face Siri and Momo. This was a really interesting match to me because these were partners going against each other, teaming with the opposite partner. And, you know, that creates a really odd but interesting scenario because you got to wonder how are these teams going to work with each other? And... Even before the match, Tommy and Julia were very much clear they weren't happy about teaming together while Siri and Momo seemed to welcome the opportunity, especially as the challengers. So this was really interesting to me, and it ended up delivering in a massive way. This is one of the better tag team matches of the year, one of the more fun matches, as these four talents went in there and brought the house down. That's that's what you aim to do, especially when you're a main event like this. And they did that in Kraken Hall. Now, ultimately, uh, Siri got the pin over Julia, setting up for a possible upset. Because as much as Siri is great, Julia is clearly the favorite in any of her matches. I mean, she wins, wins, wins. So... She got the pin on Julia, and Julia, after the match, said there's no such thing as consecutive losses in the book of her. And as we found out, that's true. Now, the interesting part of this match was when they all hit each other, because Utami used Julia on multiple occasions as a weapon, essentially, without getting Julia's consent or anything. It was mostly she'd kick Julia in the stomach and then toss her around, and it was pretty funny. While Siri and Momo, multiple times, were on the very same page. And I was thinking the whole time, I was like, why don't we have these two just team moving forward? Because they are very good together, and I think they can only get better. Because their styles kind of intertwine a bit. They're both very physical, and I think that would just be awesome. Now, 
Let's get to the Osaka Dream Cinderella main event. This is the only match I was able to watch as I was getting prepared for my match of the year. So other matches came up. And this was spectacular. Now, is it a match of the year candidate? No. But it's one of those matches that you just feel solid about because what Utami and Momo did was they told a story in there. They told a story of... You know, they're friends. They're in the same group, Queen's Quest, together. But they're putting those different. They're they're putting that relationship aside because the World of Stardom Championship is on the line, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters here. And what they were able to do was tell that story of this is all about the title. This is all about the title, left and right. They we had some incredible near falls. There was a near fall. At the end of the match, where Momo hits her um, suplex, where she grabs the hand of her opponent under her leg and flips him over. She usually wins with that move, and that wasn't the case here, and I was I was stunned. Now, I did my best to avoid as many spoilers as possible. This was not one of those cases. I just needed to know if Momo won, because as you guys have probably gotten the wind of by listening to my show or reading my writing... I am a very big Momo Watanabe fan, and she will end the year without championship gold around her waist, which is devastating. But, you know, Otami has gotten better and better since winning that red belt. And I think that's a credit to her for managing to get better in the biggest role possible. Because the World of Stardom Championship is the championship for the top person. I've, you know, I started watching this year and I know of the past. And this is the person that Stardom wants them to help lead. It's that and the holder of the white belt. So these two titles, to me, you know, they're in, they're neck and neck. But this is supposed to be the world title. And Utami's in a big spot. And she's delivering and delivering and delivering. This match was excellent. Um, it... Unfortunately, I will not start rating matches to keep a list of until the beginning of next year. But this was excellent stuff. I highly recommend you go out of your way and watch this. This was a main event caliber match. And from the sounds of it, uh, Stardom sold a lot of tickets, which is a good sign for both Momo and Utami. Utami as champion Momo as simply a spot in that company because, you know, I've seen people talk about who the top four in that company are now. Um, let's say Utami, Julia, Mayu, and Tam Nakano. And, you know, it hurts me as a Momo fan because I think she deserves to be considered in the top echelon of this company. Now, she's only 20 years old. She has plenty of time, clearly. But... To me, she is the most consistent performer outside of Mayu. And that needs to be respected. That needs to be respected. And I think 2021 will be a big year for Momo. But we will get to that on the prediction show in two weeks. So, let's further along. Now, we are on to Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was shit. It was absolute shit. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. It wasn't good, and I would review SmackDown from last week, but this will mostly come in the TLC review. So I just want to say Raw, after a record low in rating, was worse. It was worse this week. It just keeps getting worse, and I don't... I don't know what Raw thinks they're going to long-term change is going to be. They're doing a Legends Night in two weeks, I believe. Who cares? I don't. But their shows are just getting worse on Raw. And it stinks because Raw at one time was the A show. There was no question of that. And it's barely even like a C show right now. It's garbage. And anyone that watches it, I applaud you to go through that. It's hard, it's painful, and it's just not worth the time. So, let's talk 
TLC, tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. Let's talk results. Um, so, we saw Drew McIntyre defend his WWE Championship in a TLC match against AJ Styles and eventually The Miz. The Miz cashed in mid-match and ultimately failed. Now, they are saying that John Morrison's the one that cashed it in, which is true. He is the one that had it in his hands and told the ref to cash it in. So there is a possible chance that The Miz gets that briefcase back. And honestly, I would because the way they did this was tough. And we haven't had a good money in the bank winner when it comes to the men's in a long time. We keep wasting this briefcase. It's a real shame. But Drew McIntyre retained his strongest win in a while, and I think this was needed. I think this was needed for Drew McIntyre to reestablish him as that dominant champion because that loss to Randy was kind of weird at Hell in a Cell. So I was happy to see this. I was happy to see McIntyre on top. And, you know, he gets to close out a phenomenal year as the WWE champion. He's very worthy of that. SmackDown Women's Championship is on the line. Sasha Banks defending against Carmella. Sasha Banks thankfully won. Now, there was a chance, I thought, that Carmella somehow walked out of this. But I don't know how you are anyone in that back and sees anything but money when it comes to Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks is on a different level right now. A different level from everyone. And, you know, her and Bayley dominated this year. They were the company for a while and Sasha just continues to roll on and you love to see it that's what you love to see I appreciate that she treats herself like a star because she is a star we have a new Raw Tag Team Champions as the Hurt Businesses Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin defeated the New Days, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston to become the champs. This was a clear, necessary win for me because I think you need to keep building the Hurt Business because the Hurt Business has had one hell of a year. MVP has came in there and saved the careers of Bobby Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and really himself because he was going to retire after the Royal Rumble, and he ended up getting a role here, and now he is leading a faction that is the only good thing on Raw most weeks. So bravo to him, bravo to them. Cedric Alexander is a champion in WWE that isn't the Cruiserweight title. You have to be happy about that. You gotta be happy about that. The Raw's Women's Championship was the... Oh, nope, that's my bad. I'm reading the results Saw Raw Women's Champion. So, we have new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions as Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler failed to successfully defend their titles, losing them to Asuka and her mystery partner, the Queen, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair returned in a massive way. And for those who may not remember, I did call this last week, but also for those who don't remember, Nia Jax is technically on TV the one that took Charlotte out. So it made this a perfect scenario for her to return. Um, she came down to the ring. She looked happy. She looked healthy. She looked refreshed. This is what happens when you give people a time off after a very long time on TV. I think all wrestlers should have some certain time off because they come back fresh. They come back refined, refreshed, and ready to go. And Charlotte was a welcome sight. She's already planting seeds for that Raw Women's Championship we know we're going to get that either at WrestleMania or probably before. But these two are now champions. Asuka is a double champion. She is the fourth double champion, I believe, this year. Um, no, third double champion. I could be wrong. Either way. Uh, but... You know, Asuka's had a hell of a year. Now, she's not my superstar of the year or wrestler of the year, whatever you may be. 
But she's had a hell of a year, and people can't complain about her success anymore. She is the Raw Women's Champion and WWE Women's Tag Team Champion to complete 2020. Universal Champion Roman Reigns defended the Universal Championship against Kevin Owens. This match is a match I've been wanting to talk about because these two told an incredible story. And Roman Reigns right now is untouchable. To me, he is untouchable when it comes to understanding your character, working to your character's strengths, and delivering in the big-time matches that you must deliver in. Roman Reigns is 3-for-3 in the big main event matches that he's had since returning, really. Ah, 4-for-4, actually. I forgot about Survivor Series. Now, this match had a lot riding on it because Kevin Owens created a story of he is this guy that you can relate with as a fan. He is the ultimate babyface, and he's killing it in this role. Absolutely killing it. And I watched his WWE Chronicle. He was very open about it. He said, you know, his WWE Chronicle and his um, was Talking Smack interview, and I believe something else. He's been very open about it. His role, his run to this babyface spot has been a bumpy road. But he feels he's finally figured it out. And now he's putting that on TV. He's this family man. Um, they call him the blue collar brawler now. Who does everything he can. And that's someone the fans should attach to. You can feel for Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is the perfect baby face for the heel Roman Reigns. And ultimately... Kevin Owens had multiple chances in this match to walk out as the Universal Champion, but thanks to Jey Uso, that was not the case. There was multiple times Jey Uso stopped Kevin Owens in the end, leading to Roman Reigns climbing the ladder and retrieving his Universal Championship. This match is one you need to go back and watch because these two tore down the house in a match that doesn't have fans in the building. One, a match that is physical, brutal, and what these two did, I promise you, they went through hell in this match. These two are going to enter a steel cage this Friday on SmackDown on Christmas. So we'll see what happens. Now, the main event of the evening was Randy Orton versus... The Fiend in a Firefly Inferno match. This was weird, folks. Um, the the Inferno aspect was cool because of the way they set it up. They didn't put it around the ring this time. They put it like in front of all their LED monitors as part of the Thunderdome. And it kind of looked really cool. Now, I didn't know what the point of this match was, but we ultimately figured out at the end which was Randy Orton won by just twisting the Fiend into the fire, which is something I predicted. I thought it was a good way to have the Fiend lose and look strong. And then the Fiend chased after Randy while on fire. Randy caught him with an RKO, put him down, and then he lit Bray Wyatt on fire, essentially killing the Fiend. That's the idea we have here. Now, we saw on Raw Alexa Bliss returned with Alexa's Playground, which was awesome, by the way. That was the only good part of Raw, really, this week. That was great. And she's swinging back and forth. And she's swinging back and forth and telling Randy he's always here. He's just not here right now. And she's making jokes. So clearly there's a version of The Fiend slash Bray Wyatt that's not dead. Now, we don't know what this next character is. But whatever it is, you know Bray Wyatt's put a lot of thought into it. And I'm interested because the Fiend character was getting stale to me. Now, Alexa Bliss adds a lot to that. But it needs it needs a part of it where it's not supernatural anymore. As in, it just can't be defeated. But then sometimes it's defeated. Because I think that's the biggest problem with it. You don't know how to beat it. 
And that's something Vince has struggled with many a time. So I like the direction they're going here. I just don't know what it is. Like, I like where we're going. Like, The Fiend is dead, we think, but not. Alexa Bliss is confronting Randy Orton. And there's a very big uncertainty, but uncertainty can be a good thing. And in this situation, it's a good thing. Let's get to NXT. NXT, um, fresh off tonight. I will not be covering AEW this week because it's still airing, I believe, off the top of my head as I'm recording this. I just didn't have time because it got kicked back to 10 p.m. Eastern here. And, you know, I just didn't have time to watch it. So we'll get into all our AEW thoughts next week on the show. Now, this is an NXT coverage right here. A few thoughts here. Um, Velveteen Dream returned. That was something for, feels like the ninth time this year. Um, he stepped up to Adam Cole. Adam Cole said, listen, why don't I fight you in the ring? That main event of the show. Adam Cole beats him clean in the middle of the ring. I really don't know what they're going to be doing with the Velveteen Dream because every time he's on TV, he just loses. And what he's done in his past shouldn't even have him on TV to begin with. So, I don't know what their idea is with him. I don't. But, they need to figure something out because just having him there to lose, I guess, is fine. But at the same time, what's the point of even having him on TV? The way we had a very Gargano Christmas, I believe it was called... And this is the group The Way. Um, if you don't know, it's Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, and Austin Theory. Now, Austin Theory has his own past, which is wrong and in all ways. Now, I don't know his, his story as much as I know the Velveteen Dreams. I feel like the Velveteen Dreams was very much louder and more well-known, but I know... Austin Theory has done stuff that also should not have him on TV. But this way, the way stuff was well done by the entire group. Austin Theory is clearly playing the idiot. He's an idiot of the group, um, which is a role for him because he is that. Uh, Indy Hartwell is continuously growing. In this group, and if you read my article on Last Word on Sports, I wrote the possible breakout stars for NXT in 2021, and Indy Hartwell was at the top of that list for good reason. Um, for Christmas, Johnny Gargano gave her the blessing to be now known as Indy Wrestling. Yes, I thought that was hysterical, because as you know, independent wrestling, Indy Wrestling, but she will be going by Indy Wrestling by the sounds of it moving forward. I love it. I love it, and that's a name that she can succeed with. I mean, she's still Indy Hartwell, but Indy Wrestling is a great nickname. It's pretty funny, too. And uh, Gargano is finally, I think, finding his heel work with this group. Because Gargano was flat. He was flat as can be. When he started this heel work. And he was flat even when he just won the title back. But this way group. Is a way. For them to grow. For him to give shine off to these two younger talents. And hopefully for Candice LeRae to find success too. Because she is very much deserving of that. We will have the return of the fight pit. I believe I said this last week. As Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher continuously go back at it even despite Champa beating Thatcher at NXT War Games. Fight Pit was the only answer here and this is a match that Thatcher has been in and Champa hasn't. I think this is where Thatcher gets his win back. Remains undefeated in Fight Pit because this is his match. I think moving forward the Fight Pit will be what match Thatcher competes in and dominates and dominates. And then you build up a guy Say, someone like Rust Taylor, a.k.a. Taylor Rust. Is that Tyler Rust? Tyler Rust. Or someone someone that's young right now 
but could work their way to a main scene by the time Thatcher's there and beat him in the fight pit, that'll be interesting. Now, this is a match Thatcher will win. I'm excited for the fight pit because the first one between him and Matt Riddle was great. I'm excited to see that. That will happen on New Year's Evil. And the final thing I have for NXT is Tony Storm essentially challenged Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship, making it clear that besides the NXT Women's Championship, Tony Storm should be the other concern for Io Shirai. And this pissed off Io Shirai. Io Shirai ran down to the ring, put a chair in there, called out Tony Storm. The music hits for Tony Storm. But from out of nowhere, Mercedes Martinez returns to NXT. And she decimates decimates Io Shirai. She's beating her all around ringside, and she ultimately, you know the black part of the announce table, the bottom? She put Io through that. If that's not a way to re-debut, I don't know what is. And this is a clear sign that Mercedes Martinez completely avoided the retribution angle that she was supposed to be on on Raw. What a save. Poor Mia Yim. I'm very much excited that Mercedes Martinez is back because this NXT Women's Division only gets more stacked. It just keeps getting better. And, you know, at one point this year, before Mercedes got back sent to the main roster and sent back, I thought she was going to be the woman to beat Io Shirai for the title, and I would have been accepted of that. There's still a chance. We don't know if she's in cahoots with Tony Storm. We don't know what's going on. We just know Mercedes Martinez is back, and her target is Io Shirai. Yes, NXT was a great show this week. They keep building. They have all these new stars. Uh, like I said, Tyler Rust. Tyler Rust is with Malcolm Bivens. He got a win on the show, and that was good to see. Bronson Reed returned. He got a dominant win, so they're building these new stars, and that's something NXT has been missing for a while now. So I'm very much happy to see that uh, Tyler Rust is gonna be—he's gonna be big, I think—in NXT. He's got the look, and he's got the mouthpiece now because Malcolm Bivens is a talented dude. So I'm very, very excited for that. Now, the moment you have been waiting for, ladies and gentlemen. We are on to the 2020 Wrestling with Edwards Award show and ceremony. You're welcome. The awards that are on the line today are the moment of the year, the faction of the year, the tag team of the year, the promotion of the year, the wrestler of the year, and the match of the year. Now, this spans over all the stuff that I have seen possible uh, from New Japan, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, all the way down to Osaka Dream, Cinderella, and tables, ladders, and chairs, and NXT takeovers, and all of AEW's pay per views, Revolution, yada, yada, yada. So, anything's on the table. Anything's on the table here, and we are going to get into it right now. The first award of the Wrestling with Edwards Award show will be the Moment of the Year Award. Now, despite the COVID outbreak pandemic around the world, wrestling was still there for us in some ways. Whether it be WWE or AEW, they did their best to give us a show, give us some sort of comfort, and... Eventually, all these other wrestling companies came back. So there was there was a brief break for a lot of companies in there. But we still got moments. We got plenty of moments to pick from. And my moment of the year, which is where this award goes, was the return of the Rated R Superstar in the Royal Rumble. When, when you go into a Royal Rumble match, what you want is a great surprise. To me, the Royal Rumble has so much intrigue because you want to see surprises, you want to see NXT debuts, you want to see who wins that match. And for the Men's Royal Rumble, you can't beat the surprise we got this year. AJ Styles was great, but he got outdone this year. The Rated-R Superstar Edge returned after having to retire due to his neck injury, 
and the crowd exploded. They exploded. You could see the emotion on Edge's face. He had to take it back in, go back into character, hit a spear. He was back. The return of Edge at the Royal Rumble wins the moment of the year, and I don't think it was really close. Now, we've had a lot of cool moments, but Edge's moment defines that anything can happen in wrestling. There's never a never situation. Who knows? Now there's hope that Paige can come back and wrestle someday. Daniel Bryan came back and wrestled. There is more hope and hope, especially with this Edge thing. He was retired for so long, and now he's back. Now he got hurt again, but that's a different injury. He will be back. The moment of the year is the return of Edge in the Men's Royal Rumble in January. Now let's get to Faction of the Year. You have a lot of factions. Um, you've got Queen's Quest. You've got Donna Del Mondo. You have the Elite. You have the Inner Circle. The list goes long down. Um, WWE. You've had. You have the new the Way faction. You had Seth Rollins and his disciples. You had. So many of these factions, but the one faction that I believe deserves this award is because it's also a great story. The Hurt Business gets my Faction of the Year award. Now, you may be listening and think, well, they weren't really together that long, and they're just having their success now. But you have to understand, I talked about it earlier, what this group was able to do for Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, Bobby Lashley, and MVP. Cedric Alexander was dwindling, dwindling in the main to into the in the mid to lower card of the show. Dwindling. Barely there. He was teaming with Ricochet, but he wasn't really doing much. And then you have Shelton Benjamin, who wasn't even on television. He was nowhere to be found. He just came in to wrestle every once in a while. That's it. And then you have Bobby Lashley, who was plagued by this awful storyline where he was married to Lana. It was awful. And somehow, some way, by the power of MVP, the return of MVP, he managed to not only get rid of that terribleness, he made people remember why Bobby Lashley is a force to be reckoned with. MVP deserves an award himself for what he's done this year. He doesn't need to wrestle. He can be this group leader that brought these three back. They're all champions, and they're all going to be champions when 2020 ends. That's what he was able to do. That's why I believe this was the perfect perfect winner for faction of the year that's just me the heart business is the faction of the year because of the story they are in itself and now they're ending the year as champions can't beat that the tag team of the year. Now, there's a lot of great tag teams we can go through up and down the list. The Street Profits, Hangman Adam Page, and Kenny Omega. Um, team Aphrodite. The Gorillas of Destiny. The Briscoes. Like, I'm just naming teams that I can randomly think of. The Young Bucks. The Revival. The FTR. Whatever you freaking want to call them. The New Day. There's a lot of tag teams. But I would be wrong. I would be wrong to not give the tag team of the year to the golden role models. Bailey and Sasha Banks. What they were able to do together was save WWE. Almost single-handedly these two did that. Whether they were fighting, doing promos, or just being entertaining, that's what these two did. These two helped 
save WWE when they needed it most. They were suffering for star power, and these two delivered. Bailey was my WWE Wrestler of the Year. Sasha Banks was the runner-up. Drew McIntyre was right behind there, too. But that's not the point. These two did something that I don't even know if WWE knew they could do. But they proved it. And they were running the show when no one else wanted to run the show. That's respect. They were tag team champions. They were both the SmackDown and Raw champion at the same time. It's perfect. This was the right tag team to win the Tag Team of Year Award for 2020. Now we're on to Wrestler of the Year. Wrestler of the Year, I feel, is going to go before Match of the Year because Match of the Year has so many great entries. And when it comes to Wrestler of the Year, I feel like there's only a handful of worthy nominees that can make of this. Now, like I said, Bailey was my WWE Wrestler of the Year. Drew McIntyre deserves to be on this. Sasha Banks deserves to be on this. Then you go to AEW. Cody is willing to have that name. John Moxley is willing to be up there. Um, you go to New Japan. Tetsuya Naito is willing to be up there. Cody Ibushi. You know, there's, there's just so many people I can name. And then you get to stardom. And that's where we have our winner. You can also name Takumi Aroha, who only wrestled about 20 matches this year, but still toward the house down. But but when it comes to who my wrestler of the year in all of wrestling is this year, to me it is the best wrestler in the world. I have said it once, I will say it again and again and again and again and again and again. The wrestler of the year for 2020, the winner of that award for the Wrestling with Edward show is Mayu Iwatani. What she did with the world of stardom belt the red belt to be exact she raised the bar to me because I've been told by people that have followed stardom far longer than me that the red belt has never necessarily been looked as the workhorse belt or the top person belt that's been the white belt but when you put that belt on Mayu Iwatani things change Things change. She restored greatness into that title that was taken away from from the prior champion. And while she restored it, she had amazing matches that were match of the year quality. She faced a who-who of stardom for that title. And she represented a company during the toughest of times. And she is the reason I grasped on to stardom as much as I did for this year especially. Because, you know, I watch stuff from Arisa Hishiki, who's retired. I watch stuff from Io Shirai, who's not there anymore. Two of which are some of my favorites. Favorites to watch perform. But Mayu Iwatani has been the established star for a while. And I said, I there was a few episodes ago, I don't remember the number, where I had this 10-minute discussion on why I think she's the best and why she's the best in the world. And I'm doing it again here because I, I understand if you disagree and have one of the other wrestlers of the year. But what she did with this championship was deliver time and time again. She's the best in the world at what she does, which is professional wrestling. So without without a doubt, she's the rest of the year for me. Mayu Iwatani. Now, we get on to the biggest award of the award show here tonight, which is the match of the year. And... Different from the others, we will be doing a top five list. There's been a lot of great matches this year, folks. A lot. 
But to me, this is the best of the best. At number five, we have Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks at AEW Revolution. This match, to me, defined what tag team wrestling is. It defined what tag team wrestling is and what it should be in a company that delivered. They delivered in the tag team division. Now, recently it's been a little clunky, but AEW, I have always thought their their identity should be tag team wrestling. And this match is the example of that. Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega formed a great tag team. They formed a great tag team. They had a great run. And they went against their elite brethren at the time. The Young Bucks. And the Young Bucks for years have been considered the best tag team in the world. So you knew magic was going to happen. There was near fall after near fall. You didn't know if Hangman Page was going to turn on Kenny Omega the entire time. This was a story, but this was also a perfect rendition of what a 2020 wrestling match is. This was fantastic. This is a match that I would recommend. To me, this was AEW's match of the year. And this is what you should go out of your way. This is only number five. But this is a steep list. So that's why it's only number five. Go out of your way to see that. AEW Revolution. Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks. Number four on my match of the year countdown for the award. The Men's Royal Rumble. Now, I know what you may think be thinking. You you know, you hear what I say, Royal Rumble. Like, why do you have a Royal Rumble on your list? The reason I have a Royal Rumble on my list is because this is the best Royal Rumble we've had in years. Because what it did was establish a new star. It told a story. It had the returns you want. It had the surprises you want. It had the NXT stars you wanted. It had everything you could ask for in a Royal Rumble match. And it delivered. From Brock Lesnar dominating dominating the first half from the eyes to eyes between him and Keith Lee which was just one of the great moments of that the return of MVP who ultimately went on to do great things this year and to Drew McIntyre walking down to that ring confidence in his eyes determination in his eyes getting in the ring and booting the man who dominated the first half, Brock Lesnar, right out of the ring. You can't you can't top that to me. It was perfect. This was a Royal Rumble match worthy of this list. So the Royal Rumble match, people will go back years because of the return of the rated R Superstar Edge. And finally, because of the result, where Drew McIntyre won the big one. He won the big one. He solidified his spot at WrestleMania. And the crowd erupted when he won the match. The Royal Rumble was great. The Royal Rumble was awesome this year. The Men's Royal Rumble delivered in every sense of the way. Winner, surprises, returns. Drama, story, everything you want. Everything you could ask for in a Royal Rumble, that's what it gave you. That's number four. Number three. On the match of the year countdown to win the award. Sasha Banks versus Bailey inside Hell in a Cell for the SmackDown Women's Championship. This was the WWE match of the year. Sasha Banks and Bailey do not ever, ever have a bad match. When it's one versus one, these two needing to put on a show. And they did this in front of no fans in attendance. They did this inside the Thunderdome. It was different. And they put each other through hell. They had a unique Hell in a Cell match, which is difficult to have nowadays. 
they did things that no one expected and they tore the roof down. They delivered on one of the biggest matches WWE's had in years because all of the build-up was so long and so perfect and so great between these two. From friends to rivals, it was perfect. So could they deliver in the match? Yes, they did. And Sasha Banks had her crowning moment, had her big moment, finally, where she won the SmackDown Women's Championship by beating Bayley in the middle of the ring, ending Bayley's year-plus-long title reign. It was perfect. It was perfect. To me, you can't beat what this story was. It was a story. It was physical. And it was inside Hell in a Cell. Now, I'm never... I prefer a regular straight-up singles match ten times, nine times out of ten. But this Hell in a Cell match was needed because this was a feud worthy of and they used it to their advantage. That's number three, Sasha Banks versus Bailey inside Hell in a Cell. The number two match on my countdown here is Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha one from this year on February eighth, twenty twenty. This is a match where you see two of the top wrestlers in the world go head to head and put on a show. This was just an exhibition. This match wasn't even supposed to happen. It was supposed to be Sari versus Mayu, but she couldn't because she signed with WWE, I believe. I believe that's the case of why that ended up not happening. She was pulled from the show. Takumi Roja of Marvelous stepped in and they put on an incredible incredible match the story that they told here was Mayu the world of stardom champion just trying to survive this incoming challenger who ultimately beat her in the end Takumi beat her this wasn't for the title but she pinned her in the middle of the ring and that set up a potential second match for the title down the line. And that's what we got. This match was perfect. And for a long time, it ended up being my match of the year. But not the case here. That was number two. Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha on February 8th was number two. Number one, the winner of the Match of the Year Award for 2020 Wrestling with Edwards podcast is Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Rauha 2 on October the 18th from this year. I rewatched both of these because to me the top two was locked in. It was just a matter of which one I wanted to put first. I rewatched both of them back to back. And what I liked more about number two than number one was we got my favorite version of Mayu Iwatani, the confident version. In the first one, it was the underdog survival Mayu. In the second one, it was the confident, determined, witty Mayu Iwatani. She was more prepared. She had a longer run with the title. She was on top of her game against Takumi Roja was always on top of her game. This was perfect. They somehow not only lived up to the expectations, but they surpassed them. They surpassed the first match they had earlier this year. Do you know how difficult it is to surpass that? You look at rivalries in the past. You look at Bailey and Sasha Banks. They had that incredible first match. They had to try to live up to it in an Iron Woman match. They couldn't necessarily beat that but it was still a good match like there's so many cases in the past where you have this first match that stuns and you have the second match which is good but not as good if or better um undertaker and Shawn michaels wrestlemania 25 and 26 the 25 one is better than the 26th but that's the point you it's hard to rehash and what was so great about the second one was that Mayu Iwatani was different in this one. 
to me, if you rewatch the first one, Mayu Iwatani is fighting back a lot. She is on the defensive most of the match. You feel at times she doesn't have a chance to win. In the second one, where she does finally win and beat Takumi, it was just a quick pin, but it was a surprise pin. And these two brutalized each other. These two kicked the crap out of each other. Takumi ends with a shiner on her face. That is terrifying. It is terrifying. Because it's like grows throughout the match. Because these two held nothing back. And the only thing, the only bad thing about this match is that the crowd couldn't be as loud as they were for the first time because of COVID. This this is my match of the year. Takumi Aroha versus Mayu Iwatani for the World of Stardom Championship on October 18th. That is the match of the year. That is the winner of the match of the year award. I can't recommend it enough. The near falls... There's times you think Takumi is walking away with that title. There are times that she thinks she's walking away with that title and is stunned because Mayu Iwatani shows that resilience and confidence that she has shown in the past. Um, perhaps my favorite starter match of all time is hers versus Io Shirai, where she wins the title from her. That is confident Mayu, and confident Mayu is the best Mayu. Yes, my wrestler of the year happened to have the match of the year. Big whoop. Actually, the top two matches of the year in my book. But that's it. The match of the year for me is Mayu Iwatani versus Takumi Aroha from October 18th. So, this was the Wrestling with Edwards podcast. I want to tell you all to have a very happy holidays. No matter when you're listening to this, I, if you already had your holidays, Hope they were awesome. If you're listening to this as it's released, have a very happy and safe holiday. Enjoy your time with your families. We have all earned it. I will be back next week to cover the big SmackDown episode, as well as Double AEW, and plenty more. So until then... Have a good one, everyone.